Carla was tired. Every week she showed up to the food pantry to help serve. She had been a constant recruiter to the cause. She had been doing it weekly for several years. She had gone through all the phases of serving. The initial excitement gave way to constant frustration. Eventually adjustment to a better picture of reality set in. That still didn't change her tiredness. She'd been trying to get others to join her, but to no avail. She wasn't sure what to do now. Was it worth it to keep showing up? James was proud. He was seen around the office as the go-to guy. Everyone knew it. Anytime someone needed something, he was there. Oil change, loan someone a few extra bucks. He got such happiness from knowing people would turn to him. Recently, some of the asks from others seemed odd. James wasn't so sure about his continued response. He couldn't pick and choose who he wanted to help. He had an image to maintain. Why had he been so open to others in the first place? Lloyd just tried to stay out of other people's way. Because he didn't speak much, people thought he listened well. So they shared. He would hear hurts and frustrations. He would even hear an opportunity However, he was so nervous about how someone would react, he often did nothing. It was better to pass the buck to someone else or hope that they would meet that need rather than face the awkwardness of trying to help. Because how would people react if he inserted himself? Image management is choosing certain actions so that others will perceive us a certain way. And a life-fueled by image management is like putting diesel in your gas-powered car. It appears to be the same thing, but it won't get you anywhere. And ultimately, it'll break down. Maybe you find connection with one of those stories as we've started this morning. And as the wheel of life keeps rolling, our ultimate motivation for why we do what we do comes to the surface. And again, the wheel of life just keeps rolling. And you often wonder, will it ever stop? And oftentimes we beg and we plead for this image or for this wheel of life to stop. Because we have an image to maintain. And we got to keep up appearances. We fear letting others in. We're unsure because it takes us out of our comfort zone. So we never open up. Well, good morning. My name is Kyle and I'm the lead pastor here at Generations Church. And as John said, we are a community of everyday people committed to expanding God's family together because of Jesus for generations to come. And we take those words in that section of that vision very, very seriously. That we are truly everyday people who are going through life just like you. Trying to figure out how do we keep moving at times. Beg sometimes for the wheel of life to stop and often wonder what it looks like to invite other people in. And actually open up. But we're family. And that means that we're going to purposefully choose some things. We're going to establish a certain set of priorities and internally be motivated by some character traits that we hope set our church community apart from the rest of the world. 
some of those values around Generations Church. I'll just list them for you. Our spirit over self. Progress over perfection. Story over sin. Send over stay. And lastly, give over get. Give over get is looking to make a difference in the lives of others through generous living rather than always wanting to receive more. So part of our church community, what we value, how we make decisions, what we are about is rooted in this value, give over get. And today we look at a teaching from Jesus to his early disciples. Jesus gathers these early disciples together He's been chosen, they've been following them for a while, and he officially appoints them as apostles, which means they're going to be leaders in the church movement. Which means, out of all of the people that are following him, these 12 have demonstrated a level of character and competency that's consistent with what Jesus has been asking for and modeling for And so this section of Matthew that we're going to look at is commonly called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus doesn't stand up and teach like I'm standing up here and teaching. He actually sits down at the base of this mountain and is able to speak out. And this amphitheater type sound, and you have all kinds of different people who are hearing and listening to Jesus. But specifically these chapters, Matthew 5 six, and seven. It's kind of like this focused sermon for really for just these few, but these other people get to overhear it. And the start of that sermon I mentioned is starts in Matthew chapter five. And so if you've been journeying with us for a while, you know that we've started this series, Give Over Get. And what that means is that we want to be shaped by Jesus' life and Jesus' teaching, so it takes effect in every aspect of our life. And so if you are new to the faith or you've been out of the faith for a while, I would go back and look specifically at Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7 and understand that these couple chapters in the Bible, Jesus speaking to some of the people who have been following him for a while, because what he's going to do is he paints a picture of what life looks like to follow him. And what you see is as you look at those chapters in the Bible, is that Jesus is a lot more concerned about someone's internal character and how that produces external action, rather than sometimes what we get caught up with, which is the right external actions, hoping that it makes its way to our heart. See, it always starts for Jesus for the inside out. And what he does throughout this sermon on the mount is he goes back and he says, guys, remember the why for what you do. Know that the motivation has to be there and it will express itself in your behavior and in your choices. And so this sermon is not for general world consumption. It's not a system of laws that all the world should inaugurate or can just basically legislate out. The Sermon on the Mount is for the disciples of Jesus Christ, to those who have been described as someone who said yes to following Jesus. And they can really only put these things into practice through the power of the Holy Spirit. So 
These are more shoulds and oughts and religious rituals. They're to be empowered by the Holy Spirit as we journey together and following him. So others hear Jesus talking to the disciples. And so this morning you may overhear some of what we talk about is generosity in our church community. And at some point when you hear generosity, if you try to do it in your own strength or own power, you're going to become exhausted or fed up because there's no internal transformation that makes generous living sustainable. See, the only way you can look to make a difference in the lives of others through generous living consistently over the course of time is when it's fueled by internal transformation through faith in Jesus. And so Jesus is going to address these right actions but wrong motives. And so striking at the heart of the matter, and the matter is the heart, Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 1, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of people to be seen by them. Now in these next, if you look, just kind of look at your Bible or you're scrolling on your phone, you'll see that throughout Matthew chapter 6, there's these chunks that are broken up. And each of the following chunks, whether it's generosity, how to pray, how to fast, about possessions, or even one subtitle in my Bible reads, the cure for anxiety, talking about worry, possessions. And we actually talked about some of that last week. So we have a podcast that we put out each and every week with our sermon recording. If you missed last week's message, you can go back and listen to it. But the opening line succinctly summarizes the central theme of the paragraphs to follow. Jesus warns his followers not to do their acts of righteousness for the purpose of being seen by others. See, Jesus assumes and states here that there are acts of righteousness. They are right acts. There are some shoulds and oughts. But the motivation and the reason for doing these right behaviors must come from the right motive. And they are defined as, just quickly define these acts of righteousness. They're defined as pious acts motivated by one's devotion and relationship to God. Last week, I said it this way, your desires determine your destination. They prove where you're headed. Which means that the internal things which you desire, if you have an eternal hope that's rooted through faith in Jesus, it means the things you will start to desire as you follow Jesus will begin to change. But if you're consumed by material things of this world, it communicates that you're living for an earthly Reality rather than an eternal one. And so establishing the priority of giving, I would say this week is focused on character. So our values shape not just our actions, but also our attitudes. Last week we talked about, just to recap again, that we have to choose give over get. That has to be a priority in our life to communicate the way of Jesus distinctly different in our world. But it can't just be something we intentionally choose and make it a priority in our life. It also has to be in our character. And Jesus' words today speak to that character. Just a quote from C.S. Lewis that talks about how our choices do shape our character. 
but also the sustained success of what's within will always be apparent through our actions and through our choices. C.S. Lewis says, every time you make a choice, you are turning a central part of you, the part of you that chooses into something a little different from what it was before. And taking your life as a whole with all the innumerable choices all your life long, you are slowly turning this central thing either into a heavenly creature or into a hellish creature. Our goal is to become a person who eternally receives and reflects God's love. And the challenge is, is when we put get over give, we ultimately choose the antithesis of God's love. And giving and generosity shapes not just one area of our life, but all areas. And a resistance to give eventually hardens our heart to a place where we have things so tightly woven because it's all get and what we can get that we ultimately can't get anything at all and cannot receive God's love. So we've hardened our heart because we've made life all about us. And a choice to give over get puts the choice to be other-centered and to be motivated eventually by God and to be sustained by him. And so here Jesus addresses the danger of cultivating an image of righteousness. It's almost impossible to do spiritual things in front of others without thinking about what their opinion is of us as we do those things and how they are thinking better or worse what we do. We get concerned about how people perceive us, whether it's through a post on social media, through an awkward conversation, through maybe we're just a little tired and a little bit moody and we realize we're short and we temporarily freak out because we don't want that person to think ill of us. And so we get caught up with always doing the right things. And there are some who say all that is important is doing the right deed. That how I do it is much less important than, the perp- than actually doing it. It's true that in some cases it would be better to do the right thing in the wrong way or the wrong motive than to do the wrong thing. But Jesus' point is clear. God cares about how we do our good works. And with what motive we do them. And if you've got any familiarity with the Bible and been reading through the Sermon on the Mount, maybe in your own time, this statement does not contradict his previous command to let your light shine before men in Matthew five sixteen. See, although Christians are to be seen doing good works, they must not do good works simply to be seen. And if our desires reflect our destination, and our destination is eternity, don't we want others to see our good works? The answer is yes. But others seeing your faithfulness, your discipline, your dutifulness, will not sustain you. It It won't be the motivation that you need to keep you going. So Jesus deals with three spiritual disciplines, giving, prayer, and fasting. And what's interesting as he talks about giving, prayer, and fasting, these aren't unique to the Christian faith. 
most faiths around the world, most religions in the world have some element of prayer, generosity, and fasting. In fact, the Jewish community that Jesus is speaking to regularly would give alms to the poor, but they did it to be seen by others. The Muslim faith has regular giving as part of its spiritual practice. But what makes Christianity unique, even those of you who may have a Catholic or Mormon background, what sets Christianity apart is that these works don't save you. These works, generosity, prayer, and even fasting as you work through Matthew chapter 6 are a response to what Jesus has done for you. Let me say this a different way. Your works do not contribute to your salvation. Your eternal reward, being with Jesus forever on a new heaven and a new earth, is not, there's not some scales. There's not some scales where the more good you do means that you'll get to heaven. That's not the way it works. It's solely and squarely based on the work of Jesus. It's what it's been done for you. So you simply live out of response. And it's so countercultural because we have an image to maintain. So we think who we are is what we do. And so we do and we do and we do. And we sometimes forget that it's done. And it's done because of Jesus. And we can simply live in response to who he is. And he shows us that way. And he speaks right to the heart of the matter. That why we do certain things is not to earn. Why we do certain things is because we are loved. We have been provided for. And so give over get. When we place give over get, again, Framed as a choice, it forces to remind ourselves, it forces us to remember and reflect that we give because we've received. And we've received a right standing with God through our faith so we can then give freely, willingly, looking to make a difference in the lives of of others because we've received the biggest blessing and reward of all and that's connection with God through Jesus so we don't have to earn and we don't have to do to achieve that we simply get to live out of response because what Jesus actually assumes here is in verse 2 is if you start that first statement. It says, so whenever you give to the poor, see, Jesus doesn't remove giving to the poor. He doesn't remove giving for, to the needy. He doesn't remove a lifestyle of generosity. He assumes it's going to be ongoing. But he's emphatic that his followers refrain from actions calculated to shift the attention from God to one's self. That's why he says, don't sound a trumpet before you. 
And it's kind of funny because he says that, and it's like, did people actually really, like, get out a trumpet and blow a horn? Can you imagine? Like, so we, we have these response boxes back here that a- after service, you know, can you imagine if we brought some trumpet in here, and every time someone took maybe a giving envelope up and dropped it in, that we just, we just played a trumpet. And the whole goal was to say, like, look at this person. Look at how amazing they are. And we laugh, and it's like, oh, that, that seems kind of foolish. But that's, isn't that kind of the point? When we make it about us, we receive our reward right then and there. And we receive those little good, fuzzy, warm, fuzzy feelings that, oh, look at, look at what I did or, or what I have done. But it loses the heart of giving altogether, which is not for our own benefit, for the benefit of others. And if charitable acts are performed for worldly acclaim, the performer will will be well compensated by the world's temporary applause. And Jesus even throws this word in here. He says it's hypocritical to do this. And he calls these people hypocrites. And basically what you see once again is the reason he uses this term is because a hypocrite was an actor. It was someone who played a part, who made the stage, the center stage about them. And they could flip from multiple roles to multiple roles. And what happens is what you see is when trumpets are sounded, when Jesus calls people who do this hypocrites, what he's saying is you've made yourself center stage. You've made it about you. Whether consciously or unconsciously, the person willingly chooses to make themselves the center of attention and oftentimes conceals an inner reality. There is an inherent duplicity attached to the term. And I don't know about you, but sometimes there's a visceral, visceral reaction when we find out there's been a duplicity. When there's been a almost a bait and switch type attitude. When, we, when we're given one thing and then we know we learn the motives behind it are something else entirely. Or we get that partial truth or we feel like there's an omission and that, that, that thing rises up within us to be like, I don't like that. What Jesus is saying is that people may applaud you for your image management at one point. And ultimately, you've got your reward in that moment But it's not the reward worth living for. It's not the reward worth living for. And see, we aren't good evaluators of others' motives. But we can evaluate our own. So as we seek to be good, as we seek to practice give over get, may we evaluate our own motives. May we look at our own heart and determine why should we live generously? Why will I choose to live generously? And again, the only sustainable answer is a connection with Jesus. You will only continue to be able to give when you are constantly fueled up through the Holy Spirit. So what? Jesus says, I assure you, they have their reward. Jesus tells the one who gives so he hears the applause of others that he should enjoy the applause because that will be all the reward that he will receive. There will be no reward in heaven for the one who did it for the motive of an earthly reward. It is all 
they will receive. And they have received their payment in full. And getting our reward here can come in many forms. I'm less inclined to think that it shows up in the form of trumpets playing and applause. But I think it manifests itself, whether it's on, again, social media posts, or you say a, word, you say a negative word about yourself and why you're doing what you're doing so that then you can be built up by the other person who you're in conversation with. And we, we try to play, the, oftentimes we can play the negative to again to receive the positive. And what happens is as, as we do this, what Jesus is saying is that's your reward. The words that fill you up that you crave from other people, when you do things for them, that's, that's your reward. When you, do giving, when you give generously and you call attention to it, and people go, oh, that's so amazing, that's so incredible. That's your reward. And as a church, we have to be very careful that we aren't doing good things so that we get attention for how amazing our church is. Rather, we have to make sure that we do good things out of response to who Jesus is and help people have that connection with him. If you've been around Generations Church for a little while, or if, even if you're new, here's what you need to know. We practice give over get in a lot of different areas. And I will just share a few, not to call attention to how amazing our church is, but to say that we do this consistently. This value that we have of give over get is not something we just say and legislate it out. You all do this, but to say, no, as a church collectively, this is how we make choices and establish the culture of who we want to so we do things like Generosity Feeds, where we've packed, last fall, we packed 10,000 meals for kids and families in our community. And we don't do that because, again, we want Generation Church to become massive and, and grow, but because we know that that can often be a starting point to help people understand that we give, not to get, but because we've received. We, we do things like serve in the schools or donate coats, hats, and gloves we have seen people in our church community donate time to help fix repairs, to, to, to lend someone money. And we don't do those things. And some of you are like, uh, Kyle, you're calling attention to stuff now. But here's the thing is that's not always talked about. But we want to continue to be a community where people choose give over yet. To do it time and time again. Not to receive our earthy reward, but to point to our eternal reward and so here's what i will point to at the bottom of those teaching notes there's a little statement i hope it's still there john it says from this sermon i will and the reason we put that there is because i don't just want to inform you about the word of God. And what Jesus talks about how image management is when we do that, that's our temporary reward. What I want us to do is to begin put little things into practice to make intentional choices that cultivate our own internal character so that it can express itself in the everyday things of life. See, when we give over get, it's not just church corporate. 
But again, it's you on a Monday or a Thursday or a Wednesday with someone in your workplace, with someone in your family. Maybe there's been a little bit of fractured relationship and you go, should I continue to give? And you've got to find a way to remind yourself, yes. Why? Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. And so, I would encourage you to identify your intention. If you're someone who says, I'm going to practice give over get, I'm going to let this take hold and take shape in my life. Identify your intention. And on the flip side, if you're someone here this morning who says, I don't know about this value, Kyle. I'm not completely sure that it makes sense or that it intersects with my life to give over get. I would encourage you to identify your reluctance. What is holding you back? Where are your reservations coming from? Because when you can identify your reluctance, you'll be able to pray and give it to Jesus. And I said it last week and I'll say it again this week. The mystery of the kingdom is the more we give, the more we ultimately get. We do not give in order to get. We give because we have received. So our intention, just to be clear, is determined by what we want and expect from our actions. When we do good deeds to be seen by human beings, this is because we are looking, what we are looking for is something that comes from others. We image manage, we try to get that reward because we think that's what's going to sustain us. And so now what? Jesus actually gives us that now what? See, the figurative expression of not letting your left hand know what your right is doing graphically illustrates the unpretentiousness and unassuming manner of true generosity. That charitable acts are so fundamentally inherent to the character of those who are followers of Jesus that they are performed without even self-conscious recognition or appraisal. When your default setting is give, rather than what you get out of it, you know that you are growing closer to the heart of Jesus. And that's why we explicitly say give over get is one of our values. We want that to be the follower of Jesus' default setting. One of them. Because we serve a God who looks upon the heart and not mere outward appearance. Therefore, and that religious devotion begins with the heart and our inner motivations lead to external acts. But we also know that as we choose and as we consciously choose, that we has some bearing on the shaping of our soul. It says in the Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus points out the great value of doing good deeds for the glory of God. It's much better to receive our return from God who actually rewards much more generously and much more openly than others do. God does see in secret. And we should remember that the eye of the Lord is upon us and that he sees not only the act, but also every motive that led to it. We should not miss the strength of this promise that the things done the right way will certainly be 
rewarded as we grow the character and priorities of Jesus. And we can be sure of that even when we don't feel like it. Because we serve a God who gave. We serve a God who gave his life in Jesus to reconcile us to himself in Jesus on the cross. And ultimately, when Jesus died on the cross, was buried and then was resurrected, he testifies to the first fruits of our eternal reward. And that's what we hope for. And that's what we cling to. That as we follow Jesus, when we place our faith in him, we will receive the same blessing that Jesus did. It means when Jesus comes back, that we will be raised to eternal life with him. When there's not going to be any more tears, when there's not going to be any more pain, not going to be any more suffering. And we will get to rejoice and live together forever. That's what we live for. That's what we cling to. And that motivation, that hope, allows us to give. Because we know what we get. So I pray that as we live, work, and play, that as you make your choice in the relationships, in your finances, in your time, that you will choose give over get. And that will be your default setting. Without reservation, without hesitation. It will be one of love and joy. And you will do so with purpose and passion that brings transformation and ultimately brings life to those in your life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that you see right to our hearts right now. That you look at our intention. God, that maybe you rip off the mask of image management. Father, would you just strike that from our heart? God, would you help us see and experience you? Father, you see us for who we truly are. Would you give us the courage and the openness to help others see who we truly are? God, would you forgive us for our impure motives, for when we've sought an earthly reward instead of being eternal one? Thank you for your love and for, for your forgiveness that we can have confidence in. Father, I pray that this world, as we interact with each other, sees a people that is following you. And it's evident in how we look to give versus looking to what we could get. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.